This podcast is a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to find out more. G'day guys, Mike here and welcome to Mike Talks, the bonus Friday edition of my podcast that I sometimes do when I sometimes have time. This week is one of the times that I have time to do the podcast and I am very, very honoured to say that my guest on this week's Mike Talks is Ryan Shelton, who on a personal level is a comedy idol of mine that I've really enjoyed with a lot of my friends over the years. He's, um, he, he, you probably know him from his work on Rove. He did a segment called Investigationing and Philosophizationing. He was also a writer on Chris Lilly's first show, We Can Be Heroes. And he works a lot with Hamish and Andy and has appeared in most of their gap year shows. And currently, this year, he has been working on his own thing, which I call Ryan 11, because it's Ryan with 11 Ys, uh, where every month, on the 11th of the month, he puts a piece of content out. And uh, I've been really lucky to get to know Ryan over the past couple of years and work with him a little bit, as as I've worked with Radio Karate, the production company he Uh, founded with Hamish and Andy and another guy, Tim Bartley. And can I just say that it has been an absolute pleasure working with Ryan. He is such a legend. He's one of the funniest guys I know. I love talking to him. And this chat is no different. He's also a really intelligent, reflective and philosophical guy, which I think comes across a lot in this conversation. We did this over Skype. The internet connection at some points was a bit patchy so you might hear that a little bit during this but I've tried to edit around those bits pretty well it was only a few moments so not much has been lost from the essence of the chat this is really good and uh when I first started this podcast one of the sort of silent goals I set was to maybe have Ryan on the show at some point and now uh two years into the podcast running that has happened so thank you all I hope you really enjoy this you can support me by leaving a review for this pod going to my website radiomike.com.au and buying a sticker pack for this pod uh, to keep the lights running here at Radio Mike Productions and follow me on insta radio.mike and email the show anytime radiomikepod at gmail.com finally before we start all of these all of my podcasts and all of my content goes up on YouTube as full video so you can watch this chat with me and Ryan if you'd prefer to do that but Without further ado, let us go on to my chat with Ryan Shelton, one of the biggest legends in the industry and uh, a really, really awesome dude. All right. Uh, welcome to Mike Talks, the the uh, bonus Friday edition of my podcast. And uh, first guest on the podcast to actually count me in. So this guest decided he was going to count me in yeah. to my own podcast to start. Yeah. I'm... Super excited to be talking to someone who I would actually go as far to say, Ryan, that if you didn't exist, this podcast would not exist. So Ryan Shelton, comedian and amazing writer, uh, is my guest today. Welcome to Mike Talks, Ryan, and thanks for being here. Mike, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so lovely. Oh, well, uh, you know, I am very, very... I don't really know what to say when you say something like that. So thank you for saying that. But it's, it's um, uh, I think the podcast would still exist, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, man, I, like we, like I'll get all the, the lame stuff out of the way first. But um, cool. when I started this podcast, which was at the start of 2019, one of the main things that I was like, like one of the main goals of this podcast was get, yeah, pick up. hope one day maybe I could get Ryan Shelton on the podcast. And now we're here and now I'm like, does the podcast end now? Like, do I keep doing it? Because we've achieved one of the main goals of the pod. <laughs> I reckon keep doing it. I reckon it could probably keep getting better. 
even after I'm on, believe it. Or not. I know it's hard to believe. Um, and you, you timed it. You timed it well. Like you swooped in on after I asked you a favor, and you were like, <laughs> "Yep, I'll take that opportunity. <laughs> you owe me one. You owe me to come on my show." Yeah. You so, owe, and and we might as well talk about that because you oh, yeah. this year you've been doing uh like. I say it as Ryan 11, which is your thing where on the 11th of every month from February to December, you have put out a piece of content, whether it's a video, audio, or whatever it might be. And it's just a really cool and pretty ambitious thing you've done this year. Tomorrow, or well, today, because this goes out tomorrow. So mm. today, you mm. put the last one out for the year. How, mm. can, can you just talk about like what, what spurred this idea and what made you want to do all this? Well, I, for, for like a long time, so to, to go way back, um, I think, you know, the, my dream when I was growing up wanting to be an actor or be a comedian or, or whatever I sort of said I wanted to be when I was a teenager, um, it, always, it always included me having my own TV show. Like somewhere down the line, it always included like the dream of, you know, I'm the writer and star and creator of my own show. Like that was always the, the, the dream, I guess, like everyone, you know, anyone who wants to get into television, that's sort of if you're a performer. Yeah. yeah. It, most people would, because that's sort of one of the obvious things that you can point to and go when you don't know much about the industry, you can go like, Oh, I want to be like Jerry Seinfeld, or I want to be like, you know, you have your heroes. Mm. Uh, I mean, mine was like one of, one of mine was like Sean McAuliffe. You know, I'd look at Sean McAuliffe and I'd be like, oh my God, like his humor, his style, the shows he makes, the creativity he has, like all of that. I, I was just like, I just would love that. And so, you know, I, I did a bunch of stuff and, you know, worked with Hames and Andy and uh, worked with a few other friends and, and, I, and, we were, and I was always working on really great and fun things that I really liked. But in my, in my head, I think in the back of my head, I always felt like it was a means to an end being like, well, I've got to do all this sort of stuff, but then at some point I'll be able to knuckle down, get my own show, and then I will have achieved success and extreme happiness or whatever mm. it is that was in my head. And, um, and so then, so then like the, I, I tried, like I got, you know, I was on Rove for a couple of years uh, and that was incredible. And that was sort of the place where I was, the freedom that we had there meant that I was able to kind of experiment and just try things um, like heroin and shit like that. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like, okay, cocaine? yeah. Cocaine? Like, cocaine? Or, or yeah, like, did you yeah. skip straight to heroin? Yeah, like orgies and shit. Yeah, just, just to experiment <laughs> with as many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so it wasn't content experimentation. It was actually experimenting with drugs and... and uh, unprotected like, sex with lots of people <laughs> i jest i jest it was experimenting creatively it was that was a ruse right, um right. yeah no, I was, yeah i was able to experiment like with all different with with i guess what my voice uh, not that i ever sort of consciously thought what's my voice but mm. just the, the pure act of having to make new segments um every couple of weeks meant that i had to you know, I, I was forced into just trying things and taking risks. And, and that was the, that was where I was able to sort of figure out, oh, I like doing these sorts of jokes. And, you know, it was where I got to be like, not exactly Sean McAuliffe, but, you know, sort of my take on Sean McAuliffe, I guess, you mm. know, and I think that's what I was sort of trying to do. 
even though I would never have said that out loud at the time. But looking yeah. back on it now, um, that's what I was trying to do. But um, I, I will say, and no, sorry to interrupt, but like you, we, you do definitely, and and I think you're right about like Rove being almost like a breakout thing for you because Rove was such an institution for um, people of, of my age. So people who are now like in their mid twenties, we were like between the ages of like 12 and 15, maybe when Rove, when you were on Rove and H&A were on Rove and Husey and, and, and that team. And that was my favorite show. Like yeah. it was every week. And I used to say, like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on Rove. I want to do what they're doing on Rove. And um, and uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about here. Can we just take a quick detour and talk the Rove stuff, which yeah, predominantly went Rydeer's investigationing and philosophizationing, which yep. is... Well, there was actually is, one more. There was actually one that I did for maybe two weeks called Ryeports. Oh yes, there, there was. There was. <laughs> I'm uh, Ryan know, Shelton, reporting for Rive. For Rive. I'm in Rove. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, th and that's exactly that's like to that point of like trying things. When I first started on Rove, um, the only reason they gave me a shot was because on the pilot that me and Hamish and Andy made, uh, and Tim Bartley, who we work with at Radio Karate as well. The, the, the pilot that we made at Channel 7, like a, maybe a year or two before that, included this idea called the Key Journal Hat, which was like this studio-based thing where I was at the desk and Hames and Andy were interviewing me and I was presenting like this sort of product that I didn't, you know, invented. And it was called the Key Journal Hat. And, and you know, the pilot, you know, didn't get picked up or anything, but a few good things came from it. One being uh, this thing, the Key Journal Hat, because... When we were on Rove, Hames and Andy were already doing like a couple of segments on Rove. And, and you know, I was keen. I was in, I was writing, I think. Like we, oh, we'd done real stories. We'd done real stories already with Roving. And so I was already in the office and I was in the writer's room for Rove. And, and I think I, I'm, I must have said, I can't, I mean, it doesn't feel like something I would do. Maybe Tim said it or Hamish and Andy said it or something. And yes, well, someone mentioned the fact that I wanted to be on the show. Right. Like thinking about it now, like the the like who do I think I am? Like <laughs> asking to be on Rove. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on Rove. I mean, if you want me, Rove, I'll do it. I guess. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm ha busy. happy to be in the writers' room, but like obviously <laughs> I'd prefer to be on the show, <laughs> mate. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so, so for some reason that was brought up somehow, and then I. And then I, yeah, and oh, that's right. And then they said, oh, we should do it. We, can we do a test? They wanted to sort of test me out to see if I could, I guess, handle myself with Rove at, at the desk. And so instead of obviously doing that on screen or in the studio, we set up like a fake desk set up in the wardrobe area in the office, like in the production office. Yeah, and so, right. Rove, so Rove did like a, a mock interview with me and I presented the key journal hat as a bit of a oh. test, a test. And that went well enough for them to put me on the show. And so then I was on the show, did the key journal hat as a Rydea. So that was, that was why it was Rydeas. And then I had one more, and I did Rydeas one more week. And then I was like, uh, I felt like Rydeas as an idea. I just was, I don't know, I got over it or I just thought it was a bit, I don't know, cheap or a bit something. <laughs> and, and so then it was like, oh, I'll change it up and I'll do Rye Ports. And I felt like that had a bit more scope because I could be a reporter and I could talk about any sort of topic. And then I did that for a few weeks. 
and then and then then the year was ended over because that was sort of like near the end of the year when I was on for the first time. So I was only I only did like four things in that first little chunk of the last bit of that first year. And then, but in the the next year was the year that they they kind of turned the show around. I think like that's not turned the show around, but that's when they did that huge overhaul. Well, maybe it didn't seem like that to viewers, but it felt like that in the office. It was mm. it was where they they turned it into instead of it being Rove and uh, Pete and I think, yeah, and, and Corinne and Dave, uh, Dave Callan, or maybe that was Dave still there, I'm not sure. Anyway, Corinne, they changed it all up. Corinne left and the, and they turned it into more of an ensemble supporting cast. So it was, you know, still Rove was the host, obviously. But then there was like this sort of gaggle of regular contributors like Husey and Carrie. And I think Carrie might have been already there doing the news segment but she, there was a point where she just became a member of the cast and she started instead of just throwing to her seemingly somewhere else they started talking to her after she finished her segment and yeah i do agree there was a point with rover it became like everyone sits on the couch and and rove sort of throws to them during the show and stuff like yeah. that and that yeah. was the golden age of Rove. like that was the the times where i like i wanted to be on that couch and, yeah um, yeah terrifying. i loved it <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to be. It was terrifying. (laughs) Well, it was, no, I mean, it was great. I was just so green and so in awe of the people that were around me um, Mm. because I grew up, well, not grew up, but like from, you know, Rove started in 99 and that was my favourite show in 1999 when I was in year 12. Like that was the show that I loved watching from an Australian point of view. And so, yeah, so being on that couch with them, it was, you know, I'm, I'm not a naturally... Like I, I don't really love going on panel shows usually because it's so much, every time I jump in, I feel like, you know, everyone turns to you and it's like so much pressure on what are you going to say? Mm. It's, anyway, so, so that sort of freaked me out a little bit. But, but I just also wanted to say with that, the way the show changed in those last two years, one of the main reasons that it did, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it, is... They brought in a new producer, new series producer, Todd Abbott. Do you know Todd? Todd Abbott? No, no I don't. He, he's, he's, the new, he's the new head of comedy at the ABC. Okay. Um, and he was, he's, 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 he's not stuck. Um, anyway, he was brought in to be the producer <clears throat> and his thing was to make it more of an ensemble kind of thing. So that was a, a lot, a lot was down to him, his, his idea to do that. And so that was when I was like, and then that was unbelievable. Like from my point of view, like I'd gone from like, all I'd done was real stories, which was really fun and cool. But at the time it kind of felt like a bit of a fluke. Like I felt like a bit of a, you know, cause we, I don't know, I still feel like everything I do is a bit of a fluke. But at that time specifically, I felt like it was, we got this show on Channel 10 and it felt like, well, it didn't go that well. It went fine. You know, I'm sure there were comedy people who really liked it, but it wasn't like a breakout hit or anything like that. Mm. And and so I, and so when that first, that sort of year of Rove came about when the show changed and I was asked to be regular cast so it was like me, Hamish and Andy Husey, Carrie, uh, Pete and Rove. And I was at the start of the season, like getting press shots done with the cast, like, you know, getting the full group shots done and individual shots. And like, that was so surreal. And um, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, you know, a, a big, a big kind of like, theme, I guess, a theme of like many performers is that kind of feeling, which is like that horrible need to be chosen. You know, for someone who's perceptively in like a position of power or authority, when they go like, "Yeah, we think you're good enough," like that, that is like a, it's, it's not a, it's like a bit of a shameful feeling sometimes, but it is like a good feeling. You know, when someone goes, mm. especially someone you respect, goes we choose you. And that was, I got that feeling at Rove and it gave me this sort of extra level of confidence, which I'd probably never had before. Yeah. And then, and then it was just about like, okay, what's the segment? And that's when I, that investigationing was that, that segment in that, in that first year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like stylistic, like, cause you, you certainly have your sort of, I guess, I guess style of, of comedy that, that I feel like is your, your, you're a bit of an auteur in that sense that like, there's this almost like very tongue in cheek um, vibe to all of your stuff, particularly like investigationing where a lot of the comedy in that came from you, not, not necessarily even the script, but the way you were interacting, like almost like a meta comedy in the sense that it was the scene transitions and the camera work and you looking in the wrong direction or like walking past a car and just like, continuing your report while like floating across the the hood of the car and things like that was that always an intentional thing to have that because I feel like a lot of your stuff is very meta and self-referential um which I always really loved because like fourth wall breaking and such is one of my favorite comedic devices and I yeah yeah, and like again like watching your stuff I just always thought it's it's like I think it's because with particularly with investigation, it's like the absurdity of the fact that if this was a real guy doing a real journalistic thing, but he was also just getting all the stuff wrong and like, you know, falling yeah. over and stuff, it would be hilarious. And and I think that's what's so funny about it. Well, like, I mean, so, so obviously you're a lot younger than me. Do you, do you remember, like, do you ever watch McAuliffe's ABC show? Like the McAuliffe program and the, uh. did you ever see that? Uh, you, like whatever romanticized feelings that you have about the work that I did on Rove yeah. will be completely squashed when you watch okay. McAuliffe because all of that stuff I was doing was maybe not squashed, but like all of that stuff was, it was, it was me just trying to be, trying to do what he did. Um, mm. so, so incredibly well. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be, you will love his ABC show. Like he did, I think three seasons of it. Okay. Um, it's called the McAuliffe program and then the McAuliffe program. And it's, it's just like, it's nonsense done seriously. Um, and, and it's, and it's so good. I mean, that, that was like my, my thing. And mm-hmm. so all the stuff I was doing on Rove, I was really just like, really just heavily influenced by that and probably like things like Monty Python, which I just watched endlessly as a kid. Faulty Towers and um, yeah, whatever, whatever shows I guess I was watching back then. But yeah. the thing on Rove that, um, the thing that I, that, that I said that Tim and I stumbled, so, so I made those segments with Tim Bartley and the thing that we stumbled across, I remember it so clearly um, and, I, and I think the other thing that was probably on, I can't remember if it was on at the time, but it must have been on at some point was Tim and Eric. Oh, yeah. um, you know, Tim, Tim and Eric. Yeah. yeah. 
So like Tim and Eric was a huge influence on me as well. Cause I was like, Oh God, it was just a level of, um, you relate to this world, it's word, um, a level of punk that was kind of like in their comedy, which was just so, I don't know, rule breaking seems a bit mm. not, not quite right, but you know what I mean? Like that they, yeah. they, they, they just, they didn't, they just did anything. And, and what was the strange thing in that, and this is the thing that I'm even still grappling with now is because I came up in a commercial TV world where there are, there are like rules that you do have to follow as far as like, you know, it has to, from a, from a quality point of view, it has to look like this. You have to be in like graphic safe, you know, you have to, mm. there's all these things, like things you have to do. And I kind of came up with all those sorts of things to remember. And more and more now, as I do, especially as I do the stuff I'm doing this year, it's been fun in, it's been fun being a bit, but I guess it's a bit more liberating to not have to follow any rules. Like I can, yeah. I don't have to make a video that fits neatly into three or four minutes because that's when people stop watching after that, according to whatever data, mm. you know, like I think to, to be able to kind of go like, you know, what, I'm just going to make the credits go for 10 minutes because mm. who, who it's just me i'm the only one who's going to really care so yeah, i'll, I'll just it, it I'll certainly just seems with all this all the ryan 11 stuff that there's like a, it really comes across that there's a creative liberty and i guess like you're at a point in your career now where you you like you can do this and and you you can do all this stuff that doesn't necessarily or you know wouldn't necessarily be a mainstream thing but it's just do you find that there's like that you love it more because you don't actually have to make it for an audience or there's no there's not necessarily a commercial incentive to any of it. So you just literally do have the free reign to do whatever you want with it. Yeah. It's yeah. There's definitely the, the, the fun, the funness of it is that I don't have to get anyone else over the line. Like mm. I've had, even with the people I've worked closest with, like I remember like even when we were doing, uh, our channel 31 show radio karate where it's mm. like it's channel 31 but of course when you know when you we were 21 or whatever we were when you're 21 even doing a show on channel 31 feels like life and death like it feels like everything needs to be perfect sin, and even sin radio was like that as well like i yeah. used to do sin radio and you're like this does not matter at all but you just, you, anything goes wrong. You're like, oh my God, everyone heard that. Now everyone knows. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and exactly. And so like, even then, like there was this idea that I kept wanting to do, which, which very likely is a shit idea, but it's like something that I just always wanted to do. But I, cause I had to get other people. And the idea was essentially just me singing a song. Like, like it's a, it's a, like it's a live band setup. And I'm singing and it's like gets thrown to me as to sing. And I sing a song, but it's all in gibberish, but I, pres I sing it really seriously. And it's just gibberish right. words. And so it's like, I mean, so silly. Um, and of course, like that could have absolutely bombed. It would have been just such a weird thing to have on any show. Yeah. But, but I think what I, what I, and I, and I, it's, I wasn't like annoyed at the other, like at Hames and Andy or Tim or anything that they wouldn't want to do it because it's like, well, that is strange. But what's exciting about this year is like I could do that now mm. and and there isn't 
any pressure. There's no commercial pressures to have to like get a certain rating or to get a certain amount of views mm. or to grow an audience or to have good social engagement or anything like that. Like all that stuff is, is necessary in the right context, but, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's really fun this year for me to have, to have something that is just, just mine, I guess. Yeah. And it's, and it honestly, Matt, it's been, all of it has just been so amazing. Like I've, I've genuinely looked forward to it and, and tomorrow, today's one is, is amazing as well. And, and so much fun. So I, I'm super glad you're doing it because, you know, again, like a lot of my friendship group from school, we all just loved your vids. We loved investigationing. Like I, I loved that the podcast you did Ryan Shelton, is it for one minute only or was ah, it the one? Yeah. Yeah, like you, only. yeah, and 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 that's sort of what I've always loved about you is just, yeah, you you you're you're so like eclectic in the work that you do, and you 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 make every even Cliff, and you just I feel like you you do so well in every medium. You you find a way to to toy with that medium or that platform, I guess, whether it's podcast, TV. Cliff was a great example of that, like working within the limitations of at the time you could only do like, could you only do like a one minute video on Insta or something or 30 seconds? 15. 15. Yeah. So 15, and, and yeah. I just think you've always been so good with like messing with the conventions of a platform in a way that I, I hadn't ever seen anyone do, particularly in investigationing and me and all my high school friends, we just used to, we used to quote investigationing all the time. We'd put them as our Facebook cover photos and stuff when we were at school. Unbelievable. Like, absolutely loved it. Um, and, and sorry, because th there's so much I want to talk to you about. So sorry to kind of jump around a bit. Can we very quickly touch on the fact that you were a writer on Chris Lilly's first show, We Can Be Heroes? And I think you once told me that, were you one of the, like, was Phil Olivetti, who is one of the best Chris Lilly characters, was that sort of, um, like, were you a big co sort of uh, co-creep? Like, did you sort of mm. foster that character a bit? No, 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 no more than... The only thing I probably would have told you is that when we were writing that character, all I could think about was my dad. Oh, like it, it really? Was like, okay. Yeah, it, it was... Phil I mean, is, a, and, is a father of two who is just a super, super arrogant and, like, yeah, doesn't but, know he's arrogant kind of dude. Well, yeah, and so, uh, yeah. So the way Phil turned out and the way Chris actually, like, brought him to life and, and wrote wrote him out is nothing like my dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I was going to say, your yeah. dad sounds like a dickhead. No, 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 yeah, he is, he is. Um, no, no. <laughs> my dad's brilliant. Um, but... But no, it was more just like in the very, because I was only working on that show at the very early stages. So Chris had already come up with the character names and like what they do. And, yeah. and but, but, but it was more just like I got to help him with the, um, like just the details of different scenes and things they do. And one of, one of the things that just comes to mind was when there's like one scene, I think, where Phil is, whether it actually made the show on or I can't remember, but where he's like, he's got the new hi-fi and he's talking about the speakers. Oh, yeah. He's talking about the different speakers and he's only got the flat screen TV and the different, you know, he's talking about like the new hi-fi system. Like that, like my dad was always very early, an early adopter in the hi-fi world. Okay. And, and, and that, that was just a big, but yeah, between like Phil and Jemay, I, re I reckon like were the two characters in that show that I could, I most confidently contributed to because yeah. I went to a private school and kind of knew girls 
who were kind of like that. So like thinking about like school assemblies and things like that, that was, yeah. Can you, um, like, so you, you, I know that you met Chris through Big Bite. No, sorry, not Big Bite, through Hamish and Andy, which was the Channel 7 show that sort of hijacked Big Bite and the cast of Big Bite, of which Chris was one well, and Andrew. We Keith don't like to use the word hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, from what I can tell, it was a pretty blatant hijacking of a show. Well, not by us, but yeah. Not by it, you. Uh, it was an unintentional hijack. Yeah, which well, doesn't happen doesn't happen on planes. Like you never get a, a, an accidental hijack of a plane. No. Like, oh, sorry guys, sorry guys, <laughs> I'll take over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine that. It's like, um, oh fuck. I guess we're hijacking the plane. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> so, so, in, I did not mean for this to happen. Yeah, but yeah. here we are. So we might. I mean, we might as well. Did you guys want to go to the back and we'll take care of it? <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, I've got the gun. <laughs> I guess. Get out of here. I didn't mean for this to happen. I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I met Chris there. Um, and that was, I mean, then that was before we'd done, the only thing we'd literally ever done was the Channel 31 show. Yeah. So I was, that, that was my first paid job in the industry, working on that show as a, as a writer. And I started off working like one day a week as a writer. Um, and, and then by the, you know, I think like a cup about a week or two before it got canceled, they pushed me up to five, excuse me. They pushed me up to five days a week, um, writing and, and it was like, and I, and I couldn't believe it because whatever I was getting paid today, you know, getting like paid like a, a writer, you know, a comedy writer. And especially back then where, you know, I'd gone from like working at a retail store to this, like working at a job that I, I didn't hate, but I, it was like fine. Yeah. And then working in like a comedy writer room with people who worked on fast forward and full frontal and getting to like write the sketches and submit them and get them made. And then they're paying me, like I was getting like two grand a week or something ridiculous like that for those couple of weeks before it got, and, and I was, and I couldn't believe it. Like I just thought this is wild. It's yeah. crazy. It was so crazy. And then the show got cancelled. But then we were so kind of, we were so green and, um, you know, we had no idea about anything except for the fact that we'd done one Channel 31 show and then all got jobs. So we were like, fuck, this isn't that hard, so actually. Easy, yeah. <laughs> and so we just thought, well, let's just get another show, another job. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds, but, nice. but it was, but it, but God. But yeah, so in that, in that time, Chris was doing his, he was doing his stuff within that show and he was sort of his own island within that show. Like he would, unlike everything else, which was like a collaborative thing, uh, understandably, he would just go off and do his own sketches and his own stuff himself and get to make his own things. And then I remember like one day, I, I remember standing in the Channel 7 building, the old Channel 7 building in South Melbourne and, and he was in there and I, I he was doing and I remember having some ideas. I had like some ideas for Mr. G or something. And I remember like being really reluctant to tell him the ideas because I knew that he was his own thing, like, and he didn't use the writers. <laughs> I was like, uh, hey, I had, I, and I remember just saying, hey, I've got a few ideas for Mr. G. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're probably <laughs> they're shit, but they're really dumb. And I hope you don't look at them. But if you do, <laughs> um, yeah. 
whatever. And so he and took what if, what if What if he just goes, oh, well, if they're dumb, I, I definitely don't want to see them. Don't. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> they're really good. No, they're good. They're the best ones you've seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't, I, I have no idea. I can't remember if he ever used them. He probably, but um, a couple of weeks later, he, and I, few times that I'd spoken to him there and a few weeks later he said I'm going to this taping of a pilot like a friend of his was doing a pilot and they asked me to come sit in the audience do you want to come and watch you know come come to the pilot and I was like fuck yeah like I'm still and I'm still in the mode of like I get to go to live tv taping like you know that, that was like still what yeah. I was at when I, even when though I was, I was working on a show uni. that was like my mind. Oh, sorry. When I was at uni, me and a bunch of friends from uni went to sit in on the project, which anyone can do. It's free. But I just remember being like, hey, guys, went to the project tonight. And like thinking that it was like the best thing ever. And people yeah. be like, what? How'd you get that? And it's like, you just go to the website and press. <laughs> like, they want people to come. <laughs> they need an audience. <laughs> yeah. They need it desperately. Yeah. In fact, they're using you for free. Um <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So he asked me to come to this taping, and um, and and I was I was like a bit nervous or a bit like, oh god, like like I guess it's like that thing of like being chosen again by someone who's, and and I went along, and then we went to this pilot, and that was all good. And then in beforehand, he said, he said, hey, I'm not really telling many people yet because it's still pretty early stages, but I'm developing this new show for the ABC, like a this thing. And I was wondering if you'd wanted to maybe come and help write on it. I was like, like asking someone to the school dance. Yeah. So like I'm doing this thing and I was like, I was wondering, it's probably stupid, but did you want to maybe come in? Yeah. I mean, he was a lot more confident with asking me than I was in receiving it. But but he, he just sort of said it like it was, he sort of said it in a way of like, hey, do you want to come and write this show with me? As if he was saying, hey, I just got this new video game. That was like the tone of how he asked me to do it. And, yeah, yeah. and, I, was, and I was freaking out about it on the inside. But if, and of course, I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then went and like met with him and Laura Waters. who, who And they just started working together because the ABC had paired him up with her. They didn't know each other. And so they got paired together. And I guess they want, they were looking for someone to help with the early stages of development because they probably had development money. And um, so, yeah, they asked me to come and do a, a little tiny bit of writing, like in the early cool. stages. And that was just the greatest experience. Like one, still one of the best TV experiences I've ever had. Because not only just make, just make such incredible, beautiful things, but it was also in an environment where he wasn't yet Chris Lilly. So he wasn't yet, there was no pressure on him yet. Like it was, it was, it was just him doing his first show and no one really knew if it was ever going to get up. So not only did we have like all this freedom in the ABC, but there was also, there was nothing to live up to. There was like nothing to lose. So we could have all these ideas and it was just pure fun. And we're just laughing and writing all these things up and it's like, oh, this would be funny. And then, you know, and then I remember like when I remember there was like one day where, you know, we, we decided whoever had the idea, like decided that Pat should, spoiler alert, Pat should um, die, you know, at the end of the series. 
and we were like oh god that's so tragic and lovely like that's a mm. great what a nice that would be cool and then i remember us or laura or chris or someone i was definitely in the room i mean i wouldn't have been saying it but i was in the room to the abc exec and sort of pitching that as part of the thing saying like and then we think that pat then dies at the end of this you know battle that she has and they push back on it so hard and they're like no people were gonna love pat you can't kill her and i remember it being like a real like like stand your ground moment, like not from my point of view, but from Chris's point of view. And I remember, I remember feeling like, oh, this is a real, this still completely, this could, if you give in, give on this, like so many other things could follow. And clearly mm. he, he didn't give in on it. And it's, it's just made for such a better show and a, a better, probably a better body of work that he's made and a more, more like um, influential and, uh just good it's just it's just made for a much better richer yeah um, and 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 i agree like you see that that chris is quite good with those those kind of moments like there's this incredible moment in angry boys where the the character gran who up until this point is you know quite a reckless character quite you know brazen and 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 offensive and ignorant and then there's this really, really almost out of nowhere scene in one of the few episodes where she she reveals to one of the the prison inmates, because she works at the prison, she reveals that she has Alzheimer's, right? Mm. And it just it just um it's it's quite a jarring moment in an otherwise pretty like in your face show. And it's it's a really beautiful moment and it's so well performed. And I think, yeah, like moments like like Pat dying and we can be heroes or or yeah, that moment in Angry Boys, I've I've always really remembered as being really poignant moments of an of an otherwise quite yeah quite out there show. So yeah, I think yeah. Th- those moments are really good. And and you're right, they do add just so much more depth and and so much more meaning to the to the comedy, I guess. Yeah, well, it's like real. It, it's yeah, there are moments of like many moments of like real social commentary in his stuff. Uh, like even just, I think a couple of days ago, I saw that he put a photo up of Jonah, like this sort of like press shot or a shot of Jonah, um, uh, like as if like Jonah's been arrested, like with the lineup hype thing behind him. And it's like, and, and, and Jonah's, uh, it's like the most incredible, powerful photo because Jonah's eyes are like kind of welling up and like, it's like he's been crying Mm. and it's just, it's just really, he, yeah, I mean, he's like it's it, it's always weird when you say this about friends like he's we're good friends but he is a very special performer uh and creator and writer um i mean he's had more than his due of respect but it's like it's uh yeah it's it's really it's it's just worth you know it's easy to forget that but but, but he he has really made some pretty amazing stuff that has and, and i know for a fact has changed a lot of people's lives it's pretty yeah. it's pretty cool um, with, uh, your stuff as well, there was a show that you did this year in the midst of quarantine at, at home alone together, oh, yeah. At, yeah. at home alone together, which mm. was, uh, with, um, with, is it, was it Ray Martin who was hosting? Big time, mate. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Ray Martin. Time. And, yeah. and you did this incredible series of, um, like each episode, it was you and your twin brother, Jason Shelton. And I think like, 
you you really do that that you have this great character in the Aussie kind of bloody oh bloody larrikin dude that <laughs> that Jason Shelton really was um which I thought was really great what was the what was like the mindset behind that storyline or that little story cuz I actually genuinely would love to see the Jason and Ryan Shelton show like I just thought it was so good and just yeah amazing oh, thanks yeah well I mean, yeah, I do love playing that type of a guy. I've probably done like four different versions of that character <laughs> in different formats. Not, not the least of which as well, one of my favourites of yours, which is the the black, black beret, oh, beret. The yeah, beret, beret and a bit of lippy yeah. guy, yeah. <laughs> which is you using one of the, you need to bring that back, you using one of the Instagram filters of a, a beret and, and lipstick and being a larrikin Aussie bloke. Yeah. 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 There's there's just something about like, I just love those. And and I, and it's an affection that like, I I love those guys like more often than not, like they're just, you know, if they've got a good heart, like obviously there are the really like misogynist racist versions of that guy. Um, But you know, the ones like, I feel like Beret bloke and even Jason to a certain extent, they're still, they're still like, they're harmless you know, they're, yeah. they're harmless and they're, you kind of like, like I want them at my party. Like I want that guy there. Cause it's like, there's a level of unpredictability with those guys and fun. And even though they're, they're into like a ribbing and, and like kind of a little bit of teasing, I feel like they can usually take it as much as they give it. Like it's sort of part of their fabric. So mm-hmm. they're just, they, I just love those guys. And so with doing that show, um, when they were, when they asked me to do that show, like, and this, and this sort of comes back to like the, what I love about like the beauty of a constraint and probably even what you were talking about before with like the one minute podcast or the 15 second Instagram stuff. It's like a, a, a clear constraint, whether it's like enforced upon you or you've put it upon yourself is like the, uh, in, it's like the greatest motivator for me. I love that. And so with this show, the constraint was I have to film everything here, like in, you know, at my house, like that's the idea of the show. Um, And I'm only allowed to have, I can't really have any other actors, at least at the start of the show, we couldn't have other actors in there. And, uh, and, or we could actually, but because I was out in the country, um, I didn't have access to anyone else. So that was a constraint. And, And then also... Oh, we could only have one crew member. So that, so one crew member came in to film it, uh, but that was that was it. So that, that were the constraints. And I kind of felt like if it was going to be just me performing to camera, I felt like there's a there's a pretty low ceiling on how how on how much you can really do. Um, that at least it's going to sustain for eight episodes because it's like it, it could be good for one or two. Like you could do some fun like kind of reporting type things, but not being able to interact with anyone yeah. uh, is, is going to get a bit boring. And so that was like, well, I need another character. And I was like, and then I came up with this idea of, well, I've, I just used, I'll, I'll be the gardener DIY guy. Well, Jason will be. And yeah, it, I mean, I can't, it was weird. Cause like Danny, who's the, the show, he to do it. I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. And it would be pretty quickly. And I was like, Oh, what about if I did this and this? And then there's this like my brother and I'm talking to my twin brother and I'm producing my twin brother. And and it was and and that was a that was just a it was a hard show to make because I I offered to 
edit my own segments as well. Cause I was like, cause I just started editing for the webs for Ryan.com for the website. Yeah. I just sort of figured out editing. I'd been learning for like, like unconsciously learning, I guess for years, like looking over editors shoulders, but, and I could write, I just perform it and then edit it. And then I literally deliver the finished product. And that was, and that was that. And it was just the best fun, the best yeah. fun. I, well, just one thing I thought of, and, and we're, we're nearly done here, man, but uh, I no, love no. how it, it's, it's very, it's very unusual for two identical twins to have such opposing personalities in the way that you and Jason do. Like oh, yeah. most of the time, identical twins are pretty similar people, whereas yeah. you and Jason are just like total opposites in every way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, yeah, it's it was. I mean, the the the, the me character, the Ryan character, it's, and and this was kind of like I was I was just listening to a. Have you heard of that new podcast, Shameless? Have you heard of you know Shameless? Yeah, this new it's po- not it's not a new pod. Oh, oh right, not, no, not, not not Shameless. Sorry, this is uh, the wrong one. Smartless. Oh, right, because Shameless is Shameless a, is a, is a big incredibly podcast, successful yeah. and great yes. podcast um, by Michelle and Zara. Love who, those girls. Who, yes, do great great work. I've not heard <laughs> of Smartless. Smartless is Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean uh, Hayes. Yes. Yes and, yes, and and they they do this podcast. Anyway, I was listening, listening to the latest one, and Ricky Gervais is on, and Ricky Gervais is talking about. Well, they're, they're actually all talking about this idea of how things become a lot funnier when there's when you can see another character's reaction. Mm. And before The Office, that wasn't and like now. It's a pretty normal thing. Like now, it's because of The Office, it's quite a normal thing that sitcoms do. You know, cut to the reaction of another character going like, "Oh my god, this is so weird." like mm. the, the, the voice of the audience. But if you think about it before that, other than like the really good ones like Seinfeld or whatever, most traditional sitcoms, people would say funny, weird things, but it would be kind of treated as if it was normal. This is what Ricky Gervais is saying. Yes. And, yes. and, and Jason, Jason Bateman um, was saying that when they were coming out with the rest of development and Mitchell Hurwitz was sort of doing that pilot and it wasn't quite working, he, he was like, oh, it's just not quite right. Something's not right about it. And he realized that he needed to be going to Michael's um, reactions more. And as soon as he figured that out, he's like, oh, now it's funny. Because now we yeah. know that after Tobias does that weird thing and Michael's just watching him like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Then it's like, then we're in, then you get the context of, oh, that, that is weird in this world. Even though that's yeah. weird, we're still in the real world. And I, and I think maybe that that was I didn't even think about it at the time, but maybe that's what was helpful with Ryan and Jason is that you always had Ryan kind of like saying, no, this is not this is not worthy of television. You know, you can't do this. You know, absolutely. And I think I think that's actually why I love the mockumentary genre so much because even like if you look at something like I don't know if you've watched Modern Family, but that's a mockumentary as well in in the in the vein of The Office. And I Heard loved it, yeah. the, the the first few seasons of that show just incredible writing yeah. and the moments where someone does or says something really wacky or stupid and then another character just in the background looks at the camera and it's like that acknowledging of the fourth wall so that the characters are, are looking at the camera like yeah that's what the hell like can you believe yeah. that? I re- really really love that and then um to that point as well there's that you just kind of reminded me of something else which is in the simpsons are you a simpsons fan not not really. Not oh, really. Okay. I mean, I, well, I, I don't dislike it, but I, I don't yeah. know it like you and Jack know yeah. it. I don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, 
I'm going to say it anyway, man. So <laughs> Cool. I'll there's, tune out. There's, there's a character in The Simpsons, like a, a secondary, like a side character. He's, he's named Superintendent Chalmers. And a mm-hmm. lot of the fun of Superintendent Chalmers, he's the superintendent of the school. He comes to the school and Principal Skinner, who's the principal, is there. And the school's just chaos and um, so much stuff is happening. And one of the writers of The Simpsons said that Superintendent Chalmers is one of the only characters in Springfield who acknowledges and, and like, responds to the absurdity of everything that's happening around him. Like, oh. And um, there's this great scene where um, <laughs> Super, uh, Principal Skinner goes... Uh, to Superintendent Chalmers, oh, look, there, there's Lumpy, the school snake. And then this big snake that clearly has children inside it <laughs> slithers by and Superintendent Chalmers is just looking at him and totally, like, knows what's going on. But, like, just stuff like that, which I think is sort of similar to, you know, having that character that's grounded in reality to all the absurdity that's hanging on is is a really great comedic device, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and then even like Modern Family, I guess like I'm, I, I can only I can only imagine that that show was commissioned because of the American Office. Yeah, like and and so you wouldn't have got Modern Family without the British Office, mm. and 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 those sorts of reactive shots and the the mockumentary thing. Like the whole mockumentary thing was not invented by Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant, but they definitely brought it back, you know, mm-hmm. and made it made it kind of cool again. Yeah. Um, I always end this with, uh, with one final thing and, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to amend it a little bit, but, uh, for, for listeners of this to take away, what is one book album? And I, I usually say movie, but let's say, uh, visual medium. So TV movie, whatever that you think that everybody should watch, read and listen to. Oh my God. Fuck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh well book i mean this i mean this book will not resonate with everyone but this this book without being dramatic about it pretty much changed my life mm. um it's called the courage to be disliked so I've read it right you've read it yep yeah so that's the, that I'll, I'll say that as the book japanese um, japanese uh philosopher there and it's a it's presented as a conversation between a philosopher and a student and it's a really really good read also quite an easy read so it is it is an easy yeah. read yeah yeah it, it is really yeah um so yeah so that's the book the, nice can, uh, sorry can, can you just speak a bit sorry to interrupt could you just mm. speak a bit as to what what you got out of that book uh well it was just sort of like and i think i probably just read it at the right time you know certain books or shows or films or whatever songs just you you consume them at just the right time and they have a certain impact that maybe they wouldn't have had if you came across it five years earlier. So this particular book, I was, I was in a place where I was like trying to kind of figure out what, what's it all about? Like really life, you know, like what, what am I really doing? Um, And that was, you know, before I read that, I was still on this path of like, I've got to have my own TV show, got to have my own TV show. Mm. And, and then I read that and a few other things like also, I mean, another book that I'll say, I know this is two books, but I'm cheating is um, I think it's called the intent to act or something like that. It's Larry Moss, Larry Moss's book. Even if you don't read the book, this is a pod. It's a little quick podcast recommendation. 
But Larry Moss being interviewed on um, a podcast called Industry Standard with Barry Katz. Mm -hmm. um, it's a two-part interview and Larry Moss is a really well-known acting teacher in, in LA or in New York or something. So he's an acting teacher, but it, it goes beyond acting. You don't have to be an actor or want to be an actor to, to get something out of it. He's just so, I love what he talks about as far as like what's important and to, you know, to do the work and um, forget about awards and all that sort of stuff. So essentially, Courage Should Be Disliked, I was reading that and it's the first time I've ever read something where it's like, oh my God, that is, it was like a blueprint it was like it was like a blueprint for how I wanted to live my life, not from a work point of view, but just from like a human on this planet point of view. It just as the way it laid it out, and it's all based on this um, psychologist called uh, Alfred Adler, and and it, it, it's just it's just magic, and it just sort of made me realize that okay, well I want, and I forget how I exactly got to this, but as a result of reading that book. I was in a Japanese restaurant one night and with Jam, my girlfriend, and I was like, okay, well, what do I actually want out of life? Like, what's the thing that I want? What am I, you know, I'm working so hard. I'm pitching all these shows. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I desperately want to get this TV show up. And then I sort of started thinking like, well, what do I really want out of it? You know, what do I really want out of it? And then when I sort of thought about it, I was like, okay, well, if I'm honest with myself, what I actually want, and it sounds weird to say it out loud because it's just it's just very conceited and shameful, I guess. But it's like I want people, and this is not what I think is possible, but this is just what I wanted at the time, is I want people to think that I'm the funniest man in the world and I want to have the most successful TV show that's ever been made. This is best case scenario, and and I want to like be on the stage at the Emmys, being presented with like comedy of the year, and be so on the you, front of. Yeah. So you want to be Jerry Seinfeld? Pretty much, pretty much. Like seriously, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. not that I thought yeah, we've that, all that been was possible. Yeah, but not that I thought that that was actually going to happen or it was possible. Yeah. But yeah. that's what all of my, that's what I was leading. That's what I was trying to get to. You know. Gotcha. Um. And so then I sort of thought, well, if I'm doing all this work and spending so much of my life trying to get to that, I better make sure that I actually am going to be happy once I get there. And so then I sort of had this moment where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, and I visualized having all those things. Like I actually stopped and consciously thought about being on the stage at the Emmys, hanging around Will Ferrell and all these people. And they're all coming up to me going, man, your show is unbelievable you are a genius you know like all these people saying that that's what i was that, and so i visualized that and and i was like okay well i've got it it's happened all the things that i dreamed of happened how do you, how do i feel about that and i was like i don't I, I honestly felt like i don't really care like i just didn't really i just didn't really i don't know i just didn't really care about it because my, my immediate thought was like, okay, well, now I'm there. Now I have to maintain it. Now I have to get up tomorrow morning and then what's next? How do I mm. stay at that level? Mm. And then I'm all, already stressed about that. I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I have to sort of figure out a way to like make another show that's as good. Otherwise, I'll fall down the mountain. And I love it up here. I don't want to fall down. So I realized it's like I, I can get to that. Even if I ever get to that place, which is so unlikely, but even if I got there, it's not going to make me happy. So that was like a huge 
sort of realization, a huge moment of like, whoa, I think I'm chasing the wrong thing here. And, and that just sort of, that sort of caused me to sort of do this pretty big shift and did a bit of like work, started seeing a psychologist, um, started speaking to a few different people about it and just started thinking differently and changed the way I approached what I did. And eventually just made it, tried to approach it more with, with the intention of focusing on purpose as opposed to product. And I, I'm not purpose, uh, process, sorry. I have a purpose, but also prioritize process over product um, because it was sort of this realization of like, oh, well, process, if you spend three years on a film, uh, making a film, all and the film's shit, um, or, or it's shit or it's good, but no one watches it, just doesn't, you know, no one sees it. If those three years were hell, but you're like, you were just thinking, that's okay. I'm just going to get through these three years. I know it's shit. I hate the people I work with. I hate everything that I'm doing. I hate where I'm working. I hate the script, blah, blah, blah. But I think the film could be good if I just get through all this. You know, that's what most people do. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you have, it, you have very little control over whether that film is going to be good or whether it's going to be received, how you like it. But even if it does do all those sort of things, it doesn't necessarily mean you can be happy. So what I've sort of shifted to, or trying to shift to, and it's still really challenging, mm. is to go like, yes, I want to make a good film, but, the most, but what's more important than the film is making sure those three years making it is really fun. Like yeah. that's the most important bit. Gotcha. And because and the three years, that's your life. Film is like a couple of weeks at best. Mm, mm. And then people so forget about yeah. it. So it's not about the output. It's about the process of, of and, and, and the memory making and the fun you have. Because you're right. Like if the whole time you're working on something is shit and then you, and you hate it and you look back on it with no fond memories, then yeah, you're right. Like I agree that it's more important to enjoy the time rather than the output. And that that's yeah. awesome, man. That That was actually really, really cool to listen to. And I appreciate oh, you being so so open and stuff. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And, and it's also not to say that, and it's also not to say that I don't want to make good work. I still want to make good things, mm. and that's still really important to me. But it's not. I'm not willing to sacrifice the process to get it now. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. Uh, that that was a that's that's a great place to to wrap it. But did you want to do the album and the and the movie as well? <laughs> well, I I feel like well I feel like I need to. It's not really complete otherwise. Okay, so album. Albums are a really hard one. I mean, there's one song. Yeah, sure. That is like one song, which is a song that I always, that kind of revs me up mm. and just reminds me of what's important is um, Mama Cass from Mamas and the Puppers. Oh, she, cool. There's, there's a song called Make Your Own Kind of Music. Okay. And that is very, very good. Are the... Are the mamas and the papas? Is, do they do California Dreamin'? Yeah, Calif yeah, I think so. yeah, okay, yes. cool. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Mama, yeah okay. mama, mama Cass is is the sort of yeah she's, one of the she's the mama. Yeah, I assume she's the mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the mama. And I don't really know much about her, really at all. Or I don't know much about the mamas and papas. Not like a huge fan, but that song just resonates with me so deeply. It's cool. it's pretty great. And then. What was the third Let's one? Say oh yeah, movie or TV show that everyone needs. Well, 
I guess I'm, I mean, I feel like most people would have seen The Truman Show. Oh, but, great film. But The Truman Show, I, I think, is one of, one of the great, one of the great, I mean, God, I feel like Jim Carrey will feature pretty heavily in anything I list, but, but like that or um, like even Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty spectacular. I, I mean, mean even... Truman... Sorry, I was just going to say, The Truman Show is such an incredible film in terms of, you know, narrative and performance and comedy and philosophy. Like, that's that's definitely one of my favourite films of all time. I think it's so, so amazing. It is. And I was like, we went and, like, before before the pandemic, we went on a holiday and stayed in this Airbnb. And it was one of those places that had a DVD player and DVDs at the front desk. And yeah. they had the like a collector's edition of the Truman Show at the front desk, oh. and I'd never seen it. It had like a second disc of special features, and there were all wow. this, all these special features and feet like documentaries about the making of that, of that film that I had no idea about. And it is it's pretty amazing how um, prophetic that that show actually was in so many ways. Well, man, this has been so much fun, and I and uh, I, I loved I, it. Thanks, man. I you have you have an open invitation to come on this podcast whenever you want. I I feel like there's still so much stuff that I would oh, love let's do to it talk again. to you about. Yeah, yeah I love awesome, I love man. it. Yeah. Cool. And and um and and just just because I I'd love for this to be on the record, you you genuinely have been such an influence to me and and my idea of what is funny. And uh, I know for a fact that there are like so many people that have have gotten so much joy out of your work and yeah you're you're an enormous influence to me and I'm it's it's an absolute honor to have had you uh to to, to have this conversation with you today so thank you so much and uh, uh and also just working with you over the last few years because I've been able to do a bit with Radio Karate and and a bunch of the the Hamish and Andy shows and stuff it's been an absolute pleasure and you guys and your team have been so welcoming and it's a it's honestly been a dream come true for me, and I just wanted that to be on the record. So, thanks, man. That's that's uh, that's it, man. I don't know. <laughs> that is that is so. Oh, that really means the world. Thanks, Mike. That's so nice. Thanks for saying that. It's yeah. It's really. It does mean a lot. So thank you for saying that. That's awesome. Awesome, man. We're done. This podcast was a Radio Mike original production. Head to radiomike.com.au to check out all our other content. Stay up to date at radio.mike on Instagram and get in touch. Radiomikepod at gmail.com.